You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. This morning, I'm going to be talking about prayer. I'm going to be talking about the presence of God and how I've been learning over this last year that for me, these two things are interchangeable. That to pray means to come in and enter into the presence of God and the reality of the kingdom of God that is within in the here and the now. And that God is not some distant God that's far off, but he is here. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And that we don't have to live like our prayer lives are the separate thing, that we're praying for something that the reality is out there and we're separated from it. And we're praying for things that may or may never happen. But that God will drop into our hearts the things that he wants us to pray for and direct us and guide us in his will. That we will begin to see his will come to fruition in our life through our prayer lives. And, and there will be this deepness and this um, depth to our prayer lives that we maybe have never experienced before. You know, this week I've been pondering the significance of our spiritual walks as we've been going through a week of prayer and fasting. And it's been profound. I've, I've really enjoyed this year. I know I kind of probably threw Hayward and Effie off a little bit week, day to day. You never knew what was going to happen. Effie was kind of bugging me about it. And I said, I know, isn't it wonderful? And, you know, the thought that I had was, this year, you could not say I came to prayer on Monday, so I've been to the mall. Meaning that it was the same thing, same process every night. But that God had a unique design for every night in which we did different things. There was one evening where the prayer emphasis was on Thanksgiving. And rather than the whole evening just being a time of prayer, it was more of a time of sharing of the faithfulness of God, how, he's been th- how thankfulness and gratitude how that revelation of what that means has affected our life and what God has been teaching us through that and how we see the world now from a place of thankfulness and how it changes everything. And times like that are so powerful when we get to hear testimonies, when we get to hear what God is doing in people's lives, the revelations that God has shown other people that are in our midst because we don't get a chance to do that on Sunday mornings. And sometimes there'll be people that you may never regularly get a chance to hear their heart. And um, I've just been really been pondering the significance of God in my life and what that looks like and what it means to go deeper in relationship with God. Because Christianity, if it could be summed up, is relationship with God. It's a restoring of our relationship with God that was broken, that was severed in the garden when man chose to rebel and reject God's ways and chose to live his own ways, be his own God in retrospect. You know, it's interesting that a way of viewing the cross is that when Jesus' hands were stretched out on the cross, it was like him saying that we now have access to meet with the Father through him, that we now have forgiveness for our sins, that we now can be reconciled back into a relationship with God. I don't know if any of you have ever had broken relationships in your family, that seemed impossible, that you were never sure if you could get into a room with that group of people without there being absolute chaos. 
I know many families, this is every Christmas or Thanksgiving, family reunion, wedding, or a funeral. These are very special events, but often the most emotional and high-stress events that cause heart attacks and strokes and divisiveness sometimes. And, but it's different with God. That when we enter into God's family, when we are walking and living by the Spirit, there is unity. There's not divisiveness. When we are walking by the Spirit, there is love. And a unique form of love that's a sacrificial form of love in which we elevate someone as if they're better than ourselves when we serve people. That the heart of Christian leadership is, is servitude. It's, it's serving others. And we have access to God through Jesus Christ. You know, the whole Bible is predicated on one thing, that God desires to know us intimately in a real and a powerful way. And this mean that, means that God has chosen to pursue mankind after we fell away from him. And that means that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us, as it says in James 4.8. One of the ways that we draw near to God is to develop a meaningful prayer life. The prayer is like a direct line to God, that he is always listening. And you don't have to deal with operators. It's, it's like that the phone at the White House that goes right to the nuclear bomb room or whatever. They talk about the telephone. It's a direct line to God. There's no long-distance fees, no charges. God paid the price in full for us to have access to God through his son. You know, this year we may have had more people consistently out every evening than we've maybe ever had during a week of, of prayer and fasting. Sometimes we've done 21 days. Sometimes it's been in home. Sometimes it's been here at the church. We've had variations of it. But it's amazing what God has done. And, and my hope is that there's a continuation of that longing for God that doesn't end with last night, but it's just the beginning of a new depth and a new revelation of what it means to be and live in communion with God every day through prayer. To enter into his presence and become more aware of God's presence in our lives all the time. You know, prayer is vital if we're going to experience the transformed power of God in our personal lives, in our church, and in our community. You know, a Russian mystic named Theophan the Recluse once said to pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and to stand before the face of the Lord, ever-present, all-seeing within you. What's interesting about prayers is quite an intimate thing, and it's a weird word, intimacy. And it's a word, I think, that probably makes most guys wiggle in their seats because of the connotations to it. But... If I ever slip the word intimacy out, think of closeness, nearness to God. His hand in yours, his hand on your shoulder, guiding, walking with you. I guarantee you men and women will have a completely different understanding of that word when it's said. And, um, but a closeness and a nearness to God is what we desire, it's what we long after. We want to know God. We want the reality of the kingdom of God and God and his presence 
available to us. We want to know him and him transform our life. At least I hope that's what we want, to live a transformed life and to become more like Jesus. You know, there was a time in my prayer life not even that long ago that I used to approach prayer from that way that I was talking, that God somehow was outside of me and I was seeking, uh, attempting to tap into a reality that I couldn't quite lay a hold of in the now. And, you know, the problem with this type of approach to prayer is that we're neglecting the fact that the kingdom of God is here. It is near. It's in our midst. The kingdom of God is within us, the King James Version says. And so we don't have to look continually outside for signs. The kingdom of God is here. We have the present reality of the kingdom of God within us by the Holy Spirit who dwells in every Christian. We have a means and a privilege of communing with God 24 hours a day. And we are living with the presence of God inside of us all the time. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. A refuge, a shelter, a fortress. I don't know if when you were growing up you ever used to build forts. My kids love to build forts. I don't know if you have kids that build forts. You know, you'll take blankets and you'll build a castle. You'll take boxes and turn it into some magnificent house or structure. God is our shelter. And to abide in the shadow of the Almighty means that we have refuge in him, that he is our mighty fortress, that it builds this level of trust with him, that we don't have to walk in fear or anxiety, but that we can have power, love, and a sound mind in all we do, that the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and is our present reality of what it means to, to live through him. You know, over the last few years, I've been learning quite a bit about relating with God in, in different ways. You know, prayer moves us more deeply into a rooted and abiding relationship with Christ as where we're able to hear his voice and sense his presence and trust God more definitely. Richard Forster once wrote that prayer catapults us into the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, he says prayer is the most central because it ushers us into the perpetual communion with our Heavenly Father. You know, it's very important that we must remember that prayer is something that's learned. We can learn to pray that the first time you go and pray, if you decide it's, you know, I just got saved, I'm going to go and do a three-hour prayer retreat, it might be quite difficult. You know, it's like, it's like anything where there's exercise or, or getting accustomed to something. Something that I used to get accustomed, that took me a while to get accustomed to, was hot sauce. When we first got married, my wife loved hot sauce, and they put hot sauce on a lot of different foods, rice, noodles. I was one of those persons that if I just had the littlest bit of hot sauce, I was just sweating, and I'd be running to the bathroom, and it was just not good. I, I did not grow up with spicy food in my diet, in my palate. And, but funny enough, I came to love it, even though it was hot. 
And I think it's because initially I didn't want to eat those things, but because she was eating it, I wanted to eat it with her. As funny as that is, I remember there was a time when I used to not like to share food with people. I don't know if there's any people like this in the room that don't like to share food. So for example, if my brother really liked something on my plate and he wanted to eat it, he'd grab my fork and go take a bite and he knew I would not eat any more of that food. <laughs> to me, that was like just too intimate. It was too, too close. I, I, I couldn't do that. And for the longest time, I could not share food. But it's interesting how when you love somebody, you'll do anything to get closer to them. You'll even share that fork that's now contaminated <laughs> with them with their cooties. And, you know, it's an amazing thing what we will do when we are in love with somebody, how we'll pursue them, how we'll do extravagant things to get their attention, to get them to say, yes, and I do. And, you know, it's interesting because God has revealed himself as a heavenly father. And the narrative that we have throughout the Bible is that the church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus is our groom pursuing us. And he's awaiting the day that we all say yes. And that we choose to walk with him hand in hand. And to live in relationship with him in a closeness in which he becomes our heavenly father. And we walk in unity with God and we become a family again. It's interesting about prayer is that even the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. I think sometimes we just think someone's a prayer warrior or someone's not. We had Ivana up here, and she knows it's a process, isn't it? Even the, the growth in Yvonne since the first day she stepped up here till now, even is tremendous. And the more we pray, the better we attune ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the more that we are able to get into God's presence easier. I don't know if there are times in your life where you go to try to pray and it's just you just feel resistance and it takes a long time. But amazing thing happens is the more you get into God's presence, the more you can rest and be still before God, the quicker it happens. Where maybe it took 20 minutes one day and the next day and you have this encounter with God. And the next day maybe it only takes five minutes to get to that place where you are abiding in his presence. And the more that we do it, the quicker it gets, the more depth we have in our prayer life. But here the disciples of Jesus ask them to teach them to pray. In Luke 11, it says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, as he often did, after he'd finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. It's interesting, because Jesus would often, the Bible says, go off to a secluded place and pray. Here you see clearly the disciples saw this. They knew Jesus would go and pray. And they also knew that John was teaching disciples a certain form of prayer. And what's interesting is that they had asked Jesus to teach us how to pray. As if there was something that, that they saw in his prayer life. Something in the way he communed with his heavenly father that they hadn't grasped yet. Even though that these guys were all Jews, they were all people who probably had thorough prayer lives their whole life. For people that would have been raised in the synagogue, people that, that knew how to pray. But yet they had to ask Jesus how to pray. And this is what he said to them. He said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive anyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I wonder if they had to ask for a prayer because God knew that as soon as we had a prayer, sometimes we'd make it, formula, make it a formula. We like systems. We like formulas as human beings. But the problem is our spiritual walk and our prayer life is not a formula. It's not so much A plus A equals B. It's I surrender all to thee and you enter me. That rhymed. I should be a psalmist. Um, you know, what's interesting is after he said this prayer, in verse 5, he says to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from a side, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything because he is your friend, obviously not a very good one, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give you as much as he needs. Persistence pays off in prayer. If we learned anything from the Dutch Cheese video, persistence is important. Last night, Cynthia shared about the persistence in prayer in, in their family when, when Samantha was ill and how sometimes when a situation feels hopeless in the natural that maybe we've prayed a thousand times for the same thing, we don't see the result, that there's part of us that wants to give up. And she just encouraged us and said, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep persevering. Because Jesus says, seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. You know, there is this concept that we see in Scripture that we have not because we ask not. And I think sometimes we have not because we ask for the wrong things. Have your kids ever asked you to, like, eat a chocolate bar for breakfast? Or ever asked you for something outlandish that you know is not good for them, and so you say no? Just for a second, think about a couple of the most outlandish prayers perhaps that you've ever prayed. And imagine if God had granted them exactly as you had willed it in that moment. I know if God had answered every prayer as I prayed it, as in my mind I thought I wanted it, I wouldn't be standing here right now. That I think there's a difference between praying what we want sometimes and praying what the Lord is directing us to pray for. And sometimes God's will and our will are not always aligned. But when we abide in God's presence and God gives us his will and we are, are connecting with him, we'll begin to know some of his thoughts. He'll reveal things to us to pray for. He'll show us things. And the reason I know is because this is how Jesus operated. And he asked us to follow after him. That we know that prayer is communing with your heavenly father by getting into his presence. That's what Jesus demonstrated with his prayer life. And that means that the primary purpose of our prayer life is not to just approach God when we need something and desire to spend time with him. 
but to enter into his presence and get to know him. To know the Father and the Son whom he sent is eternal life. It's to know Jesus and live in relationship with God. And it's not something that we have to wait till we die to receive. We have it now because we believe and have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled an intimate relationship, a close, near relationship, a oneness with the Father. Scripture communicates the marvelous oneness and unity of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Scripture demonstrates a relationship between the Father and the Son where Jesus heard and saw the Father and obeyed. He did as he saw the Father doing. The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, the Son does also, John 5, 19. John 14, 10, Jesus asks Philip, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Isn't that interesting? The Father does his works in Jesus. The Father who dwells in me. As followers of Christ, we too can live in close relationship and fellowship with God through his Son, by the power of his Holy Spirit, who dwells in us. You jump down a couple verses here in John 14 to verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and he may be with you forever. And that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and we can know him. We can have a closeness with God, similar to that that Jesus had with the Father. And he showed us how to begin to do that. And a key to that is our prayer life. Jesus here, verse 18, says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you. You know, earlier this week, I'm not sure exactly what day it was, maybe Monday, it's probably Monday, which is the day I take off from work. But um, I was laying in bed, I was sleeping, and I felt this weight on my shoulder, and I looked up, and Sophia, my three-year-old, had climbed into bed with me and just rested her head on my shoulder. And she just laid there for, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds. And I just kind of sat there. I acknowledged her with like a little pat with my hand sort of thing, but I didn't say anything. And about 10 seconds later, she peeps up and says, Daddy, I have something to tell you. I went, yeah? And she said, Daddy, I love you. I don't know if I've ever had a better alarm clock than that, better wake-up call than that. And not every morning is like that. There are some days where my bedroom door slams open and she says, hot chocolate! I want hot chocolate! And you're like, oh, turn the kettle on. But that morning, 
while I was resting there in bed, and she just, she just laid there with her head on my shoulder. And she didn't want anything in that moment. She just wanted to be near me. She just wanted to be close to me and just, just rest on me. And I think that is what the abiding presence of God is like. When you can just rest with your heavenly Father. For no other reason than you just want to be with him. Be near him. Sense his presence. And tell him that you love him. Before giving him the great list of demands. God likes to hear what's on our heart. He wants us to ask him for things. But I don't think that's the primary purpose of prayer. That's the result of having a relationship with God that, that as we ask for things in Jesus' name, he will do them. But through relationship, like if I had some random kid just run into my house and say, hot chocolate, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be going and turning on my kettle and making him a hot chocolate. I'll be like, who are you? Where did you come from? Get out of my house. My daughter doesn't even have to ask for certain things. She can just go do it. Unfortunately, she's learned how to open the fridge herself. And she's taught Everett, which is a horrible thing. But you know what? There's a difference between, between being a stranger in someone else's house and being the son of somebody's, being the son in your father's house. When I'm in my father's house, I don't ask to go get a drink. I just go open the fridge and pour myself a drink and say, would anyone else like some? If you invited me over for the first time and I just walked into your kitchen and opened your fridge and started pouring myself a drink and I had no relationship with you, it would be weird. There was a kid I went to school with in elementary school named Matthew. He did just that. He came into my house the first time I ever hung out with him, opened my cupboard and opened a bag of chips and sat there while we were chatting, eating them. And I was just standing there with my mouth open like... If my mom could see this. But there's a difference between being a son in your father's house and being in a stranger's house. And sometimes we are not spending enough time at home. It's no longer familiar to us. You go and open the fridge, you don't know where anything is. And you have to open every cupboard because you don't actually know where anything is because you don't spend enough time there to know the intimacy, the, the important things about the house, how it works. You know if someone owns a house or lives in a house, if they go to go get cutlery and they open a drawer and they know exactly where the spoons are. You know someone's a stranger if they have to go open every drawer to figure out where the spoons and the knives and the cutlery are. I think our prayer lives are kind of like that that the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more time we spend in our Father's house, communing with him in that holy place, the more we become familiar with the things of heaven, the more familiarized we are with our Father's will. We know the rules, not that it's about the rules, but we understand how the kingdom of God works and we begin to operate within it with confidence. And with authority, because you know what the will of your Father is. And so when things are out of place, you can correct it, and you can speak to it, and it'll be done. Prayer is about abiding with God. 
And there's a huge difference between approaching God with prayers of petitions, asking for stuff like he's a magic genie, or delighting in his presence first, wanting to be with him, spending time with him because you love him. There's nothing more that warms my heart when my kids or my wife just wants to be with me because they want to be with me, not because they're looking to get something from me. And that's why I love just watching Peppa Pig or dressing up because it means I get to be near them and they want to be near me. Sometimes I try to sneak out of the room to go do something and it's like, Daddy! And I love that. You know, encountering prayer, the presence of God within prayer, you know, there's an attitude of nearness and safety that God brings. And in that place, God does transformational work within us. That's where God really starts to do some heart surgery, is when we're resting in him and we're open and available to him. But it's not always easy for everyone. You know, Hebrews 10, 19, I should be dot, dot. 1920 to 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus by his death. Jesus opened a new life, life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. God is a good and loving Father. And we can go into his presence with sincere and trusting hearts because there's no one that we can trust more than God. He's got us in the palm of his hand. You know, last summer... I spent a little bit of time out on my boat fishing, and I shared a little bit about this in the summertime. I had a couple messages. One was titled, Delight in the Lord, and the other one was called, I think, Resting in God. But I had kind of a profound experience this last summer where I think some of this came into place experientially in my life, where, you know, in Psalm 42.7, it says, you know, as deep calls out to deep, that I was in a place where I was no longer satisfied with any form of superficial relationship with God. I wanted the real thing. I wanted depth. And, you know, I went out in my boat one morning, one of the mornings that was really early, the sun was rising, and I went out into my boat, and I went to go turn on my music. And I was going to listen to some Atmar really quietly because I know sound travels on water, and I don't want to be one of those people that's like, bah, 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 blaring my music. And... I just felt the Holy Spirit check me and just say, no, don't, don't turn on that music. And I was mid, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's good. It's worship music. But I, I put my phone away and I just kind of sat there and I had my little tackle box and my fishing rod. I was getting ready to string it and not string it, but, you know, get it prepared for fishing. And uh, I just sat there and I just, all of a sudden, just the beauty of the sunrise just caught my attention. And I sat there just in awe. I just had this overwhelming sense of just beauty and peace and serenity. And I could hear the loons calling or looning or whatever you call it. 
And I just sat there for quite a long time, just kind of hanging out. And I just really sensed the presence of God come in a real tangible way. And um, a little later that morning, actually, I was laying across my seat with my feet up, and a boat came by because they thought I was in distress or that the boat maybe got lost off the shore or something. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just uh, hanging out in my boat. And they're so you're hanging out? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to pray. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, okay. And they, they took off. Um, I didn't have a broken motor. But it's an amazing thing that, you know, when we can get away with God to a secret place where our whole focus and intention is just to be with him, God can do some amazing things. You know, in Mark 6, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples in pairs with authority to cast out unclean spirits and to preach a message of repentance. And he then states to the apostles, they're gathered together with him. Um, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there are many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Do any of you live lives where you have struggled to find time to eat? God has a solution for you this morning. He says, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest. But you'll never be alone because there'll be someone there waiting for you to meet with you. That's God. And it's what Jesus did. In verse 32, it says, they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. And that was the experience that I had this summer. I get out of my boat. It was just me and God and some pike at the end of my lure. And it was an amazing time. And, and for the first time, I feel like I really understood this coming before God and not asking for anything, just basking in his presence. And that closeness does get developed. You know, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to 30, very famous scripture. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. There are a lot of restless souls that need to find rest. But it's not just a pillow that they need to find. It's not beauty rest that they need. They need to be able to rest in God. Rest in the God Almighty. And this is the result of getting into God's presence is he brings rest. He brings it into your life. It's, it's the result. Um, the message puts the scripture this way. Come to me. Come get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what we want? Freedom? To not feel burdened? To be able to walk um, with a lightness in our step, with full faith and trust that God has us, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? And his abiding presence in us, and, our, and as we dive into that in our prayer lives, 
we get to the place where we can say, no longer I, but Christ in me. It's something, it's, that statement has always been something that just feels really far away to me often because I get caught up in my own selfishness far too often. I think to be able to embrace that fully, there's no longer I, but only Christ in me that you see that I'm living out. Man, what a powerful way to live. Sake of time here. When your deepest need is for God and not nearly the need of the day. You know, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes when we get into God's presence, the Spirit will pray for us, you know. Um, the Spirit's given to us, but do we allow Him to pray? Do we, do we allow it? Do we invoke it, trust it, draw upon the Holy Spirit when we don't know what to say? And even when we don't experience God or know that He's there in a physical, tangible presence way, we can know that He's still objectively there. And I know I was talking to a youth who was asking me a question about sensing the presence of God. And she was asking me if, you know, how some days do you get into prayer and you sense God's presence so thick and so clearly. And other days I seemingly do the same things and I don't sense God's prayer, God's presence in the same way. And her question for me was, is my prayer the second time broken? So we had a little discussion about that. And you know what, one of my, one of the things that I said was I sometimes, I don't think it's necessarily what we're doing sometimes, but that sometimes there's seasons in life where, you know, sometimes I think in our natural fleshly self, we want certainty all the time. But sometimes certainty within the kingdom of God is not the same as certainty on earth. And that when we walk in a place where we're always one, so certain about things that maybe we shouldn't always be certain about. Um, God takes us through a season where it requires some faith, some seeking him out a little bit more than other times. And so I said, don't, don't think that your prayer life's broken, but seek him, ask him. Ask him what you need to do to, to, to get back there. But I think the more that we do it, the more we get into God's presence, the more we'll encounter that reality of, of his presence in our life that transforms us from the inside out. Jesus said that the Spirit would lead us into all truth. and Perhaps the goal of our prayer lives should be to learn how to pray so that our experience is conformed to the words of Jesus rather than trying to make his words conform to what Richard Foster calls our impoverished experience. Amending our beliefs to adjust our experience rather than accepting and holding on to the truth of God's word as it stands. We're called to have a reliance on the indwelling presence of God. The spirit prays in us, through us, for us, with us, not based on our own willpower, but the will of God. Prayer's foundational living. It's a conscious, loving union with God. Transformation comes when we understand that our deepest need is for God and not merely the need of the day. The lack of prayer exposes a lack in our lives. God doesn't just want to change our circumstances, but he wants to change our heart. He wants to change our thinking. He wants to change you, conform you into the image of his son.
Often when we most need an encounter with God, unfortunately we allow our disappointment and our fears, our unmet expectations to keep us from taking the necessary steps to get to him, to draw near to him. This morning, I just want to take a few minutes um, as we close and just sit in silence and contemplate this thought that when our deepest need is for God and not merely the need of the day, and just reflect on our prayer lives, I'm going to do the same. But whether our prayer life is seeking God out because we want to be with him and near him and just delight in him. Or if we've got into this pattern of a a prayer life that we just come to God with needs, drop it at the cross and leave, and we're not really sensing that abiding presence of God because we're not taking the time to enter into his presence, to grow in that depth of our prayer life in which it's meaningful, in which time flies by, And you can't even believe it. If you're struggling to get into prayer this morning on a regular basis, contemplate, is God really your deepest need? Or is it the answer to the struggles within your current circumstances that have been elevated above your need to know and be with God? Is Caleb happen to be in here right now? No? And um, after just one or two minutes, I'll just um, close in prayer. And so maybe God will speak to you this morning in the stillness, in the silence. Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning. God, I thank you that where we are, you are also. God, I thank you that there's nowhere where we can go to outrun you. God, I thank you that in you, we live, we move, we breathe. And Lord, I pray that the reality 
of your Holy Spirit that lives within us, Lord, that we would would be attuned to your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would abide in you. God, that the reality of your presence, God, would not be something that's distant, but that's near, near to our hearts. God, I pray for a deepened urgency for prayer, to pray for our community, to spend time in your presence and be transformed ourselves so that we can lead others on a journey of transformation and not just outward behavior modification. God, I pray, Lord, that our seeking you, God, would, would cause a thirst for righteousness. Lord, that as we come before a holy God, Lord, that we would be arrested. God, that you would bring about the deceptions, God, and the lies that we've believed. Lord, that you would restore truth over those deceptions, God, that we would walk in freedom and newness of life every morning as we choose life and choose you. God, thank you for this week. Bless us as we go. Keep us safe, God. Help us to know you better this year, 2019. God, may this be the year, Lord, that our growth is just exponential. And God, our impact is as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.